Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Today, we're continuing our discussion about BDSM and power dynamics in relationships. Since the advent of Fifty Shades of Grey, many people have approached me wondering if BDSM is something for them or saying that their partner has come out as either dominant or submissive and wanting to understand power dynamics in relationships and talk about power exchange. So we've been delving deep into these areas for the past two episodes. Here's a quick recap for those of you who don't know. BDSM stands for bondage, discipline, sadism, and masochism. Some people say sadomasochism and take out the and. Power exchange relationships are ones in which one person takes the dominant role and the other person the submissive role by agreement. Almost all relationships contain power dynamics. They're just not necessarily negotiated or clearly acknowledged. Join me today to continue the discussion are Farrow Kafre and Empress Nahara, who have the house of Kemi Nisu. They are both lifestyle dominants for more than the past 15 years. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So you two are in, you two are both dominant, correct? Correct. So you're in a dominant led household. Can you describe for the listeners what that means? Well, basically, uh, we're because we're in a dominant couple-led household. Um, that also that basically means that uh, we handle the decisions of the house and the vision and direction of the house together, uh, as opposed to one person unilaterally making a decision over the other. Um, it's something that we've been doing since we've uh, since before we married, um, and it's just enhanced things even more so after we married. So. I have a lot of people who um, have not been in the position to meet dominant couples. I've had the privilege more than once. Um, how do you think that your relationship runs differently than um, sort of a single dominant led household? And, and one of the reasons I ask that is because people continually assume that you both may be dominant over others, but one of you needs to be submissive to the other. And I know that's not true. Uh, yeah, that definitely is not true in this case. Um, what happens with a lot of people is that they kind of mischaracterize themselves as a dominant couple uh, because one of the persons in the relationship um, ha is actually submissive to the other. Uh, mm -hmm. They'll they'll claim the whole um, they'll claim the whole I'm I'm a dominant to everyone else or towards everyone else, but to him or to her, I am submissive. That's not how a dominant couple operates. Mm -hmm. That is how a that is how a dominant and switch 
may operate within their dynamic as far as that is or something along those lines. But when you're talking about two dominants who do not switch, who are not submissive to the other in that regard, it really changes the dynamic a lot at that point because it's it's almost like the alpha slave mentality that everybody loves to use as well, um, where that that alpha slave will act in the uh, in, in absence of that master or or, or in absence of, the, of that dominant in a poly household. Mm-hmm. That's not how we function. Right. So you together are egalitarian with each other. Yes. Yes. And so decisions are by consensus and areas of responsibilities are discussed and decided upon together. Yes. That's what people, most people don't understand. They think, oh, one decides and the other one just follows. I'm like, no, we discuss damn near everything to get a more uh, consensus decision. Now, there's some things that he may be more, what is it, what's the word, more... um, she has she has her strengths. I have mine, mm-hmm. and depending on whose strength whose strength it is in that particular regard, that's who we that's who that's how everything kind of flows at that point. If it's something that I know I know more about, then I'll counsel. We'll talk. We'll make that decision and move forward. If it's something that she knows more about than I do, I'm gonna have to defer to her because it makes no sense for me to try and make a decision based on something that she knows more about. So. Do you think that makes you, in essence, a stronger um, front than if you if you were talking the, the the other dynamic, which is dominant switch led? Honestly, yes. Um, what ends up happening in a dominant switch type of situation is um, they'll be there. There's still one person making a unilateral oh. decision. Mm-hmm. You, you, that, that's the one. That's the one thing that ends up happening in that particular regard. They may they may discuss it. He may he or she may uh, may may ask for counsel. May ask for uh, some sort of uh, uh, peace on what they may think. And then, but at the end of the day, it still resides with that dominant. Right. So, when you're looking for submissives um, or slaves, what are the things that you're looking for in your household? For, I know for me, because there's a lot of submissive, especially on the female side who do not do well with a female dominant, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be able to deal with me being a female dominant. And that I'm going to, I'm in the head of the household with him, and that you want to take direction from me at times or the direction from him, and that you're going to have to be able to deal with that. If you cannot go come into this house thinking that, oh, I just, I can just play along and just pacify her. And I still get what I want from him. No, it's both of us. Don't come thinking you're gonna get one or the other. It's gonna to have to be both or none. Right. So that means that that really you're co-picking anybody. Anybody that's coming into the household is 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 being because a lot of times you know what you get. You get people to say, well, you know, he has hers and she has his her own, and you know everybody has their separate people, and and we don't share. I see a lot of that as well. But but that doesn't often work terribly well because no. the situation you're describing, which is that um, often you get a situation where somebody says, well, I don't really belong to her. I belong to him. And yeah. so yeah. I'm not going to really I'll, I'll 
patronize her, but I'm not really going to listen to her. And so that, that you don't tolerate any of that. Oh, no, no. And I can see a mile coming. That's why I try to get people to understand. No. I don't think you're going to come and play like this. I mean, I'm not going to see this. No, I see it. I see it very quickly. And there's too many have tried and failed miserably. Like, just admit it. It's okay. You're just not meant for our house. We're fine with that. I'm fine. Uh, uh, dominant, one dominant and keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, this is the, the, the kind of thing that doesn't often easily get discussed. Um, so the other thing I think we were talking about before the show began was service and, and what service looks like in this type of a household. And for those people who don't know, you know, a, a large part of engaging in power exchange relationships as opposed to just playing and, and, um, doing um, things as either a top or a bottom and engaging in bondage and, and sadomasochism, that's kind of, you can just play and do that and just do that sexually. But mm-hmm. if you're doing a power exchange, it, it usually extends um, beyond the bedroom. And so there's a large part of that where services required. Um, and so how does that look different in a, in a, a couple led household? I know for us, especially um, when it comes to male submissives, because he's a heterosexual man, that, that there's no sexual involvement at all when it comes to male submissives in our house. But there's, uh, there's definitely going to be service. Like if he needs something done or directs him to do something, that's expected of them to do. That's, that's part of their service. Do what he needs you to do. However, it needs to be done, get it done. Now, when it comes to me with the mess, there is a sexual and a service aspect. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's a little different when it comes to mess submissives. And as far as female, again, you have to be able to serve both of us because it is going to be sexual and service involved on both of our parts when it comes to female submissives or slaves. And um, But at the same time, we need you to be a person who understands that we're not big on micromanaging. I'm not going to sit here and micromanage everything you do in your entire life. I, I, that annoys me to no extent. I can't do that. I'm like, I, I'm not raising a child. I need you to be a grown adult who is involved in wanting to do a power exchange. Fine, I get that. But I understand you have to have to learn. That's fine too. There's always a learning curve. But Certain things you should know as a grown adult that, you know, unless you like, like what we discussed earlier, it may be style or maybe, you know, is this your favorite color? I guess that, but I shouldn't have to break things down to minute details for you to how to do it. Right. Right. So, I mean, I've been thinking about um, what people have been exposed to. Um, and and a, a lot of people have a really fantastic idea of what power exchange looks like. They, um, perhaps we should talk about um, the difference between leather and, and just a straightforward MS household. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. Um, with, I think what, what people tend to, uh, I guess, make the mistake of, I guess, is that leather is automatically equating to uh, M&S dynamics. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. There are those of us that are leather that engage in DNS dynamics, um, which obviously is a, a little bit more uh, is a little bit more entailed from an M&S perspective than it is as a DNS uh, perspective. Um, there are things that we 
just do not want to assume control over. Right. Um, there, you know, there are those that have no issues having a have, that that have no issues with dealing in a total authority transfer or ter- or total power exchange. We're not in that front right now. Um, maybe down the line we may evolve into that, but as it stands right now, we're we're perfectly happy with uh, with the DNS dynamic in the sense of there's still some things that we expect our submissive or submissives, if we have more than one, um, to be able to handle their own shit for all intents right. and purposes. Right. So they, they you you know you're not going to take control over what they do for work, and um, you're going to expect them to be doing what they need to do for work and taking care of their own business, paying their bills, and all of that. Um, Absolutely. Not take responsibility for that, which is different from if you've got um, a, a, a total power exchange. Not always, though, to be fair. Um, but in many power exchanges, you know, the, 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 the person who is the dominant or the master um, takes over all of that, that the entire right. function. I do right. know, I actually know quite a few masters who don't with their slaves because their slaves are able to do to, to handle the area better than they are. Right. So, right. you know, if you're an accountant, um, you know, rather than take over the finances, let the accountant do the finances, you know, that's sort of, that's sort of an attitude. Absolutely. But also well, that's just more along the lines of a delegation of, uh, you know, a, de- a delegation of duty mm. more than anything else. So that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different component, but in terms of, you know, entering or dealing with anything from a total power exchange perspective, um, we have not yet decided to make that jump. Um, where we'll probably revisit that once, um, once the kids are, uh, a little older and, and we can, you know, we can enter into that type of, uh, that type of dynamic comfortably right. um, at that point. But for right now, until, you know, until our, until our youngest is out of high school, which is another five years from now, that, that's not going to happen. And, and those dynamics often involve living in. So that would, it, it, I, I believe is more difficult if you have children around. Mm-hmm. Right. That's pretty much the deal as far as that is it. And there, there are some that manage to do so because, you know, they're, they're extremely wide open when it comes to their kids that, and they feel that their, their children are mature enough to kind of understand the inner dynamics. We ain't on that front right now. Um, we're better off with our children being, uh, understanding the discretion that we insist upon, um, when it comes to them being able to, you know, enjoy their childhood on a, on a child's point, yeah, you yeah. know they don't need to be they don't need to be aware of what mommy and daddy are doing all the time yeah. when it comes to things that are they're, they're not capable of understanding. Now, again, some people are, are, are may may feel differently when it comes to how they want to raise their kids. This is how we decided we were better off doing so. I mean, I do think that's an important thing to raise, um, and and people often ask about it. And the idea isn't so much um, hiding as being discreet, um, but you're right in saying that kids don't need to have chapter and verse growing right. up. I mean, there's an age at which I mean, kids will be aware of differences. Kids will be aware of things. I do remember that um, my my son, I was living with my ex and we were separated um, and my master and I got together during that period of time and my son just saw it as an extended family. He didn't, you know, he wasn't told I was separated, you know, cause there was no animosity at that point. 
to him, it was just extended family. He came to the conclusion on his own that you don't have to have only one person you love. And I remember when he said that to me, he was like seven. He said, you don't have to only have one person you love. You can have more than one. I said, yes, that's true. And that was the end of the conversation. Um, so there was no flaunting. There's no um, nothing demonstrative in front of him, but just an age-appropriate understanding that there might be more than one person you love in life. True. True. As opposed to some folks really feel like they need to give their kids chapter and verse. Um, and so they are completely out. Um, and, and quite and there's, there's, yeah, there's something to that to some degree. There, there's another, uh, there's another, um, there's another brother that we have out in, um, out in Texas who just ran into that with one of his submissives uh, where um, his, where her, her, her teenage daughters, I think they're, they're 15 years old now or something like that. Um, they ended up having a conversation amongst each other where they literally broke down his whole dynamic hmm. chapter and verse, quite literally amongst themselves. And, she, you know, the daughter is trying to explain to her friends that, you know, everything is copacetic. It's nothing weird about it or anything along those lines. And they kind of had to deal with it on that front where, um, you know, where, where the conversation came out, like, you know, well, do you have that kind of conversation with your kids? And I'm like, well, in their instance, their children are probably already finding these things out on their own anyway, because they're at that age and step. Indeed. Indeed. With our, with, with our youngest, our youngest is 13. She'll be 14 in October. Technically, she's kind of found out some things on her own anyway. Um, and as those questions come up, we'll answer them accordingly. But in terms yeah. of sitting them down and going, okay, this is what's really going on, I don't advocate yeah. that. No, and neither do I. Um, and, and I. And I think there is a big difference between asking questions because they notice that, you know, some people come over a lot and hang out a lot and, and that you're closer to some people than others and having to deal with somebody living in the house. You know, I mean, that's that's a that's a big step. Now, there are polyamorous families where kids learn that very young because that's what happens. They, they cohabit, you know, more people together. And so the kids learn that very young and that's that's fine. But I think when you're talking about um, power exchange dynamic on top of that, because of the sexual aspects of that. I prefer that the kids, you know, get to of an age where they start discovering for themselves rather than rather than, as you said earlier, giving them information that they can't necessarily process and understand. Right. Exactly. I agree. What do you think are the, um, the things that are the strongest about having a couple led household? I know one thing that we've noticed that say for instance, I know we can kind of lean on each other when one is not feeling well or say for instance when sometimes like during a scene like if we're playing with someone and the scene and then one of us is getting energy is getting low mm -hmm. the other one can pick up and keep it the play going without the system knowing that you know that it's starting to drain them right so we kind of 
Yeah, we do an ebb and flow on that where we, we can pick up on each other. One's going down or the other one's going down and we can keep it going. Yeah, it's that symbiotic relationship between us that we've had for so long that we can kind of already feel and know what we're dealing with, especially in a scene. Yeah. Um, whenever we get into a point where sometimes we'll co-top. Right. Um, and and then other times we'll literally just one of us will enter into a scene, but you know, midway through the scene or whatever the case may be, the energy level may not be there to, you know, what we're used to. So at that point, one will see it's not necessarily that we tag out or anything like that, but hell, you might as well call it. That. Um, we, you know, it's you know, it's basically I'll I'll do a quick tap on her shoulder or she'll tap me on my shoulder, um, you know, and kind of give a, a silent nod. Or shake of the head in terms of are you are you okay to move forward? So and if it's a shake of the head, then you know one steps out, the other steps in, and uh, we keep things going. So you you share energy with each other then? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and and that and 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 that is very different than if you're dealing with with one person because the energy. You know, there, obviously there's energy that, that comes from the submissive side of the relationship as well. But if you're dealing with only one dominant in that situation, it's it that part of the energy all has to come from them. Correct. There isn't any any place to share that out. So that's a great strength. You think there are yeah, any there. others? Uh, I know, like, sometimes, you know, um, we, there is the, what is it, the, um, oh, God, the dom drop. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been able to pick up on each other when one of us is going down and the other one is it, and they're able to, again, it's like the energy. We're able to give the uh, other one more energy to try to bring them back up or just to level them out yeah. or to balance them out for that day and be able to uh, understand that, yeah, today is not your day. You need to just chill out. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not in the right mind today. Yep. So there is a, there's there's an awful lot of sharing that goes on between the two of you um, that allows you to keep functioning at optimum level. Correct. Yeah, and it has helped a lot in a lot of situations that sometimes they may not even think that you may it may be draining, but it has helped a lot because I know I, I, for me he I don't know if he realized it before we got together, but I know I was always a big energy player and I always picked up on energy from different people and sometimes you go in an environment and it just makes just like the energy and life out of you. Right. And because we share energy so much like we do, it has helped to keep us more balanced and able to give more when we need to or pull back sometimes. And I know for me, like I'm so introverted that sometimes I just do not want to deal with people because he's more extroverted and more out there, he's helped me be able to deal with that out of my shell more. Right. So, so, and, and so you, you two still take, you were saying earlier, you know, you play to your strengths as well. So um, Mm -hmm. that gives you a wider platform of strengths because there's two of you um, and you each. Yeah. I know I have, I know there are the, she's, she's pretty much on, on point. I, I'm an, I, I, everybody love, I'm an extrovert. I, the, the new term as of lately is the whole ambivert uh, <laughs> revolution where you can be half introvert, half extrovert. Yeah. And I've, I've been a lot more than I have been extrovert. 
because the the platform that I'm the, the the platforms that I have to be as such is where it ends up being. Like if I'm in a if an environment where I be the salesman and I have to pull the pitches and all that other good stuff, then yeah, I'm extrovert on level really run drives me crazy. But when it's those other instances where we're inside of a um, We'll, we'll be inside of a leather uh, round table or something like mm-hmm. something along those lines. Rather than me being the, the extrovert, I tend to be a little bit more observing and, and understand all of the players involved before I absolutely go in and figure out where I need to fit my niche. She's had to teach me that because I used to be bull in a china shop years ago. Now, not so much. That's cool. Um, what do you, what kind of advice would you give a couple who, um, are trying to create something similar to what you have? What we always tell, and we're actually mentoring a dominant couple as we're speaking, um, right now. And what I honestly have to tell them, uh, on a constant basis is you can't act like you're separate entities. You have to move as a unit. If you don't move as a unit, and one person does, one person goes left, the other person goes right, it's going to screw a whole lot of things up, especially if you're trying to, to uh, if you're trying to uh, hold dominion together over a submissive regardless of gender. Right. And, it, you know, that's regardless of whether it's a male-female couple, whether it's a female-female couple, whether it's a male-male couple, the, right. the, 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 the advice is the same. You can't operate as two separate entities um, at, at the risk of going biblical when it comes to a marriage is the two become one and right. the two unfortunately do become one and you have to have a singular vision and you have to commit to that vision if you don't and one decides well I'm going to do my own thing just this one day it can unravel everything that you tried to build and that's an interesting point because I think the kinds of households that we talked about earlier where you've got um, um, a, a dominant at the top and a switch next level down mm-hmm. so who's dominant over everybody else but submissive to the person at the top um, that doesn't it, that's not a problem, right? It flows from the top, but the person on the second layer down can do some of their own thing and it doesn't right. mess up the vision. But right. when you're, but when there, when there are the two of you at the top, it has to absolutely has to be one vision, or it absolutely. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Anything else you would tell people who are trying to establish something like this? It's going. There are going to be. Unfortunately, there is still the prevailing thought out there that you cannot serve two masters. Oh, bollocks. Sorry. <laughs> you, you unfortunately have to you unfortunately have to deal with that prevailing thought. Um, it will put you in a position where the the pool kind of starts to really thin out. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it puts you at a position. It also puts you in a position where you can be a little bit more uh, stringent in your taste in terms of who would be a good fit right who would not be a good fit um and then uh, and then there are those where you know it may come to a point where sometimes you you may need that person for uh, a singular 
uh, a singular service uh, situation, so to speak. She's got a couple of male submissives right now who uh, they they fit a specific uh, they spe- they fill a specific need right now. Right. And it, it's it's separate to what they have to what they have to do for me. Right. But they don't need to they don't need to be in service to me as much or as often because of their specific service needs for her. Right. And maybe down the line there may be a there may be something along those lines when it comes to any female submissives. Uh, they may serve a purpose for me uh, where they may not need to be in service to her as much. Um, but at the same time, it, it it's still a there's still a deference to that station. It's interesting that you bring that up um, because I know that um, that is the prevailing view. I said bollocks when you said it because I've never <laughs> that's, that's never been an issue for me. Um, I've right. never had a problem serving two people. It, 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 for me, um, serving a couple has always been great fun because <laughs> it's, well, it it, it's variety. It widens your horizons. It's, it's very challenging. There's no question. It's very challenging because you're dealing, although you're dealing with one vision, you've got two people's needs. So it, it is very challenging, but it, to me, it's great fun. Um, but there is frequently, um, people will say, well, but you know, you know, that you're in service to this one. How can you also be in service to that one? And Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I've never seen a problem with that. You just divide your time as appropriate. Right. And you serve as appropriate, but lots of people actually have that view and they feel that there needs to be one. And if there isn't one, somehow nothing will work. Right. And I think that's that, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of thought is the, is the one thing that I always have to caution with anyone when in regards to that, because it, it kind of puts you in a position where um, the unfortunate part is, you know, you, you, you all of a sudden, and it's not necessarily that you're, you're, you're questioning the intelligence or the, um, or, or their ability to focus. Mm. Um, it's a question, but if it gets to that, where they only have that one singular vision, okay, fine. That's fine. Handle it. However you see fit. There's nothing wrong with where you're thinking. Just know that it would not work with us at that point, regardless of whether you have an attraction to one or the other or both. Exactly. If you're having a problem, if you, if you feel like it's going to be too much for you, okay, that's fine. We can probably see if there is a different way that things can still be handled, perhaps as far as being in service to the house from a general perspective, right. as opposed to, you know, being in a DNS relationship with the two of us. Mm-hmm. There is that option. There's always been that option. Um, I don't know why that hasn't been. I don't know either. A, a, why that hasn't always, you know, but it, it is what it is on that front. Um, But that's always that's always been the thing is that you can always be in service to the house, because if anything, if it's something that Empress may need, then you can handle that. That's not a problem because it's a singular focus at that moment. Right. Or if it's something that is, you know, in service to me, then that's that singular focus at that moment. But we try to we try to tell them we try to tell any perspectives as well that being in service to us from a house perspective works the same way, almost as if. You were with us in particular. It's not that you have to be in service to us at the same fucking time. 
It's sometimes it's stuff that she may need at that moment. Focus on that until you need until I need you again. Exactly. Well, I mean, and I, I, but I've always found it really interesting, and I have a supposition, and I, I might be wrong. I have a theory about part of what gets in the way, and I believe that part of what gets in the way is the emotional content of being in service. And so the people who have difficulty with this feel that they can only, they put love in, into the equation. And um, for those of you listening, sometimes love is in the equation and sometimes it isn't right. Absolutely. They put love into the equation and, and often interestingly enough, a kind of monogamous love viewpoint, which I've always found fascinating with the idea that I can only serve this person if I love them and I can only love this one person. And therefore um, I can't do that. And so that's part of why they denigrate the idea of serving the house, because when you say serving the house, the love element goes right out, right? It's harder to think about this element, right? It makes it in a sense more dispassionate, although in reality it isn't, but it, it, it sounds more dispassionate. And I think that's where people get really stuck. Um, yeah, we had to try to explain to them, like, okay, now, for instance, if uh, you uh, was raised with your mother and father, I was like, you didn't love one over the other. You didn't just love at one time. So how could that be different than when you started first? Right. Now, you know, they're trying to be a parent, but I'm just saying, I'm like, you love your mother and father just the same. Right. Or you have two kids. Do you love them any differently? Exactly. But there is this thing. I mean, and there is, and, and, and I run across this really regularly. There is this thing. And I think this is, you know, where people come from um, more traditional backgrounds and they, mm-hmm. enter, they enter into this lifestyle and wanting to build these types of relationships, but they just transplant all that they all their stuff from their traditional backgrounds into this. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear these women say, well, like, okay, so now I'm not looking for a husband. I'm looking for a master. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. You know, I'm looking for the one true, true thing. That's it. I'm mm-hmm. looking for that one, my one, my King, my queen, whatever. And that's, it's like a transplantation of all the values that they came in with without actually considering whether it's appropriate or whether it's even necessarily workable. Exactly. I agree. Because I always tell people, like, don't come into uh, BSM thinking that, okay, I'm going to find my husband. No, or my, like I said, my one truly, or my soulmate. I'm like, just come into this, but this is what you are interested in, and this is the lifestyle that you're trying to go into. But don't come into this thinking, okay, I'm going to find the one true and then you're going to be my dominant, and then we're going to get married, and then we're going to live all this happy ever after. Yeah. No, I'm like, this because this is something that is a part of you, who you are, and this is something that you're needing for whatever station you're in. Which is an, it's a superb piece of advice, which is to remind people yet again, which I end up saying over and over, no matter what topic I'm dealing with, that the first step is to figure out who you are. Before right. you yep. try and figure out other people, before you, you you jump into something, even though it may be exciting and you want to jump in with both feet, that step one is you have to find out what works for you. And that's a lot of, a lot of new folks that's coming into this lifestyle. 
who do that, who come into this like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do, but all of a sudden, like, I want to get in a relationship. I got to find my dominant person, or I got to find this submissive now, 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 now. And I was like, but you don't know who you are yet to even get in this type of relationships. And I noticed that you, um, I know that the two of you mentor. Um, and um, would I be right in saying that you think it's quite important for people who are newly exploring power exchange to consider having mentors? Oh, absolutely. Yes. There's no other fans of us about it because you're not going to be able to come into this thing by yourself, learn what you think you think you know, and then all of a sudden have all of these different problems arise and not know how to deal with. Um, I mean, hell, I, as, as long as I've been around, and I still have my mentor in Master Obsidian. So right. whenever I run into something that seems like, I, you know, I might be in a, a bit of a stuck position, I, I have someone who has more experience than me that I can go to to kind of sound as a sounding board and work whatever issue that might be in my head and keep moving forward without making, you know, too many mistakes. You're still going to make them, but you try to mitigate them as best as possible. Cool. And how important is communication? Because I don't like assumptions. I I I'm gonna know what's plain simple, just put it out there. I need to know and I want I need to know and I want you to know. So there's no miscommunication, there's no assumptions. There's no, I did not know, no, no, we need to know everything up front because I'm like, communication has to be there for any and everything. I'm always an advocate of communicate any and everything, good, better, and different because you never know how, the, if you don't have the communication, that it may mess up something. Very, any of the, the simplest thing can mess a relationship up. Right. Right. Yeah, we're in we're we're in the type of uh, when it comes to an alternative lifestyle, we kind of have to do things a, a slight bit backwards. Um, I, I've always advocated that on that front is that unfortunately you don't have time to put your cards all on the table. You know, six months down the line and things of that nature. Sometimes you have to put it on the line almost immediately because they need to know what they're getting themselves into. Right. Before to to make an educated decision. Right. Um, have the time. Have the time when it comes to you know vanilla relationships, mainstream relationships, whatever you want to call it. When you step away from the kink world, it's almost like everyone's still insisting on using their representative six months down the line. Um, maybe you know, a year down the line, they're still using their representative and then they don't, they wait until the person has no choice because they've invested their, their emotions into the situation. And then they finally show their ass. So, you know, we don't get that, you know, we don't get that within the alternative world right? because it's, it's just too much. It's too much invested from a, from a physical and from a, uh, from honestly, from an emotional perspective, not necessarily that you're using, love as that as that base emotion but you do have emotions that are invested into things yes. almost immediately yeah. and you know before things get ridiculously out of hand you want to find out who you're dealing with yeah you know that's why that's the reason why everybody has has started to become has started to to use the idea of um instead of having just references within the kink community you need to find out away from what they're doing away from the kink community because 
nine times out of ten, they're doing other, they're doing some stupid stuff on the outside, and they're coming in trying to make it look like nothing else has been done. I, I mean, I think that's pretty important, and 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 is something that I actually, you know, as a therapist and a and a sex coach, um, I actually advise people, no matter what kind of relationship they're that they're in, that they actually get to know each other quite specifically through very intense communication very quickly rather yeah. than going the, the typical dating route. And maybe, you know, eventually I'll show you who I am. Um, because my experience is, is that um, that's something positive that people in alternative lifestyles and kinky relationships can teach folks who are not um, that allow you to make better choices and, and to get better relationship outcomes because you're actually negotiating things from day one, which is the thing that right. doesn't happen in your standard vanilla couple. I mean, I, I always say that, um, and particularly for heterosexuals, um, you know, people have sex before they ever even talk about what they like. You know, right. they exactly. meet, they meet, they're in a bar, they're, they're half drunk, they meet, they dance, they rub up against each other. Next thing you know, they're having sex. Um, and it's also the time when, unfortunately, people fake orgasms and all sorts of stuff right in the beginning, you know, yeah. and when they're in a relationship, you're six, eight months down the line, a year, two years, sometimes even five years down the line, unhappy. And afraid to say what it is you really like, what it is you really want, and what it is that really works for you because, you know, you don't want your partner to leave. Um, it's much better to put everything on the table up front and actually explore then if you're if you're likely to be at all compatible. Yeah, completely agreed. Yeah. And that's why I always tell the ones that try to come to us that I'm like, look. I'm a, if you're thinking this is going to be quick, fast, and hurry, you are sadly mistaken. This is going to be a process, and it's going to take a, while, a good while before you even get at step number one with us. So if that's the deal, you think this is going to be quick, then I'm going to need you to go with someone else. Because I'm like, because my thing is I need to communicate to be able to see if I can trust you on uh, different levels. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the key thing, isn't it? Because we're, we're starting out with the need for a higher level of trust because the things that we do are more intensive and can be more dangerous. Exactly. And illegal on certain aspects, and I'm not going to jail for nobody. Yeah, no, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything, any last words that you have on this subject of a dominant couple-led household? That we actually do exist. <laughs> yeah. We exist. We've been around for a lot longer than you think we have. We've been quite successful at what we do. Um, and honestly speaking, it, there, may, there very well may be more of us that may come out before too long um, in the future as far as that is because now everyone seems to want to be out there and and be seen and that type of thing so uh, regardless of regardless of the relational dynamic as far as the genders involved um, and you know it, it's it's not as hard as you think it is as far as being a service to a dominant couple great I agree. Thank you both so much for joining me. It was our pleasure. Thank you.
And thanks for joining me this week on Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Do write to me with suggestions for the show. Questions you want answered at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. Follow me on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Bisbee. And for a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to www.the-intimacy-coach.com and click the button that says Schedule Now. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.